so my name is Suzanne, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and it's my pleasure to introduce an alum from Region 2. Our speaker not only has done exceptional service here for Region 2, but she also in the past has worked on the conventions in the convention committee. And she has been in OA for many years. Her program is beyond. And I am just so grateful that she was able to make the time and be with us um, today. And with that, I want to very heartfully um, welcome Judith. All right, thank you, Suzanne. And um, thanks, I'm Judith. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm uh, born in London. I'm in London, just outside London right now. And as uh, Suzanne said, I used to live in the USA for about 28 or so years. And shout out to San Mateo. That was my old stomping ground. And uh, I left the USA back in uh, about 2013, came back to Europe. And I'm talking to you now just, uh, like I said, outside North London. It's about five o'clock here. Sun is beautiful. And um, anyway, it's just a real pleasure to be here. And uh, I used to love working on those conventions in R2. Um, so when I was asked to speak um, on how to return to real life after convention or after a holiday or COVID um, or even after a family death. Um, I thought, well, it's really like about talking about the spiritual disciplines in a sense, because that's the only thing that I can say keep me grounded. And no matter where I am or what I have to do, you know, whether I'm going to go somewhere or like a holiday or whether I go to a convention. And if we were alive in a convention, you know, it is kind of tough afterwards. You feel kind of this thing. But anyway, as I was thinking about that, I thought it's kind of like, you know, yes, I could talk about that. It's sort of more like how to keep spiritually fit and mixed with the truth about relapse and how to avoid it, which is probably a more sexy title. Um, <laughs> and the reason I'll speak to you of that is because, yeah, I've had a lot of time in program, but um, I'm responsible for the relationship I have now with my higher power and my program and the steps and um, what I put in, I get out. Um, I was in the garden yesterday tending to my veg and fruit. Uh, I have a new allotment and um, I've built at the end of the garden here. And I noticed that my love for these cucumber plants, I feel so warm towards them. I know that sounds kind of weird, but um, anyway, it, it's because I thought they would fail and I, um, they really weren't doing good at first and it was too cold and all, everything was against them. And um, it's, it's wild, this weather here on England, it's an island, right? So I saw it on, on England. Um, it was all against them, but um, they've got these amazing desire to live, to really blossom, to really flower, to really grow. And then they give back. You know, I picked two huge cucumbers yesterday. It's amazing. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I feel like sometimes that program is a bit like that. And, uh, you know, they've got these big sun receptors, these big, huge leaves. And it, it's just beautiful how they capture the sun. And I think that for me, that this program now is about being open and capturing as much sun as I can let in. So that's what I'm going to kind of talk about. Cucumbers? No, not really. But um, my higher power, the program, um, because I can thrive just like they can thrive as they turn their leaves um, to the sun and they use this little tentacle, this tendril to sort of hang on to the thing that matters. And then they suddenly start to blossom and grow. So anyway, it's a delight um, for me. And I just, 
I just think of them that, that way, you know, they take up just about the right amount of space. And I know that they've got this little flimsy stalk and that I felt like that when I, I was in program before and when I came back. And I'm going to talk about how come I left and came back. And, and um, that was uh, really like, you know, like, uh, uh, like I know they must be receiving so much nutrient into the, to the base, into the roots that it travels all the way up and they're huge right now and tall. And, and that's how I kind of feel a bit about programs. Sometimes you don't know what's going on underneath and then you have this great day where there's so much grace. And, you know, sometimes the leaves on the cucumber look a little like disgrace because they're so <laughs> crunchy and weird and rotten and, you know, and then suddenly out of nowhere comes this cucumber, you know, and so, you know, I won't go on anymore about my plants, but I have to tell you that um, sometimes I, I look at it that way. Anyway, I thought I would just start with a small prayer just to say, uh, I'm a little nervous and that's okay. It's okay to be nervous. And um, so it's just like, dear higher power, help me to speak to my fellows here today and to remember I'm an extension of all of this and separable. And that um, to remember at all times, my feelings, my thoughts have no bearing on the unlimited infinite power that's available to me, um, just like my cucumbers and uh, help me carry the message I'm supposed to carry today. And I hope this is useful in some shape or form. So um, I'm gonna talk to you about a little bit about um, practicing the principles, which for me are disciplines in all of my affairs and never forgetting that it's so easy to slip off and slip down and slide around and, um, and how to really create a better experience with these steps, which give me a deeper relationship with the power creator than myself, a God of my own understanding and an experience. Um, otherwise, what's my message, you know? So I'm here to speak to you and, and hopefully my message has some depth and weight and um, you can build on that. So it's not a matter for me um, of whether I want to do these things, if I want to live by the principles, if I want to continue to do these steps every couple of years and go deeper and deeper and get more, um, more nutrients in my roots. It's a matter that I must do it. Um, I've got to have a deeper experience than I had yesterday. And I tell you, it's worth it. Um, and I'll tell you why. But somebody said to me, I have to tell you who I am by the numbers. So I'll tell you that real quick. Um, I'm 34 years in 12-step programs. I know, I'm looking pretty good. And 33 years in OA. And I relapsed four times. And I'll tell you why in a moment and why I hope to never, ever have to do that again. Um, I've gained a late weight, lost weight several times, and I'm currently being given the grace to maintain a weight reduction of 65 pounds, about 30 kilos or 4.5 stones, depending on where you are in the world tonight. And eating um, abstinent food on a well-proportioned meal plan, um, that's what I do. I um, commit my food every morning. I write it down and I pray and I commit it. And um, it's, uh, I know exactly the measurements of those foods. And I have three meals and a snack and I exercise. Um, and there's a lot of other things I consider abstinence now. Um, and six years now without any need for these, these foods, artificial refined or sugar derived from insects and such, uh, wheat and a bunch of other stuff that I just can't eat. I'm just not able to, and that's just the way it is. And I feel good about that now that I know what it is. Um, I love food though, don't get me wrong, you know, um, but I've been free of the kind of craving for food, the mental obsession to be normal. I'm not normal. I'm never going to be. Um, but anyway, I'll take you back. And I, what I would like to do is sort of go through my steps and show you where I lost sight of the real purpose of the step. And now how I got taken to a whole new realm of 
like freedom of compulsive eating and a life beyond really where I had ever hoped to get to. And so, um, yeah, so I'll take you through that and um, hopefully you'll get something out of that. Um, I'm not sure that I ever really committed in 25 years of program. I don't know if I really ever committed, not fully. Um, I don't think I really admitted, I think I should say that, um, that, you know, I came in to OA around 1986, seven, seven, I think. And I remember um, they were writing the 12, not the 12 and 12. They didn't even have the original OA 12 and 12. They just had 12. They were working on it with a typewriter, sending it around the world. And um, so I came in the program after a lot of turmoil of realizing my childhood that I never felt quite right. I always felt unacceptable and odd. And, and after a very colorful young child, uh, adulthood and after marrying a drug addict uh, who I divorced and I remarried, remarried now and immigrating to the USA and all of that happening before I was 23 or four. And then I don't want to go back and tell you all about that, but I do want to tell you just a little bit about, you know, um, I'm going to fast forward actually into program and in 19, about 1995 and I'd had about seven or eight years clean and I was, I was busy doing all of that and then going to other 12 step programs and I was in the community, you know, but then I found other things that I really liked and I, I slowly but surely drifted into those more than I did 12 steps. And in 19, um, about 1997, or so I kind of, you know, after all these years of abstinence and program, I kind of drifted out thinking, okay, I can go do all kinds of things I want to. And um, in 1999, I met the man of my dreams, um, my gorgeous husband. And um, hopefully he's not going to pass by right now, but um, he might. Um, and six months later, I was absolutely head down in the food. I mean, I was sneaking around even on my own honeymoon, not wanting him to see that I picked all the icing off the cake. And gaining back astronomical amounts of weight and thinking, surely I've found the man in my dreams and that this is it, you know, I'll never do it again. And yet I was a nervous wreck, you know, I was sneaking and hiding and being someone I'm not supposed to be, you know? Um, anyway, so I go back into program. And so I had a few years out and then I came back in and I take the steps for the most part, you know, I, I worship the meal plan and I comply with everything I'm supposed to do. And, you know, in 2008, I'm seven or eight years clean. And, um, you know, it was fantastic. I mean, I was, you know, I thought I'd arrived, you know, I was got a house in California. I got a gorgeous husband. I'm making tons of money. I mean, my career just took off. And um, I'm getting a book published and I was great body weight, you know. I'm actually two pounds lighter now. But anyway, you know, I was all that stuff. And, um, you know, but I could only ride so long on, you know, good body weight and all that and compliance. And I was like an OA queen and or at least a little princess. And, uh, you know, as a speaker and, and all that, working on this, doing all that, you know, sponsoring. Um, but, and I had a very well-respected sponsor, bless her. And, uh, but the problem was, was that, you know, my ego never really shrunk. And um, I didn't even know that you were supposed to have a really deep relationship with power greater than yourself. You know, I just, I thought you're supposed to do all the tools and do all that. And anyway, my ego had not shrunk. And um, it got very scared, got very, very nervous because life got really big and really exciting. And even though I'm an extrovert, I was terrified inside. And uh, it hadn't, my life had outside had never been bigger, it had never, ever been bigger. But anyway, I was always calling on my sponsor and checking off my tools. But, you know, I was missing a great big beat. I knew it. And the beat of success was getting louder and louder and louder until one strange day, an insane idea. Remember, I hadn't overeaten for a while. 
strange and seen idea came upon me. And um, then this strange thought, it was like an insane thought, you know, the thought took me and then the thought took a bite and then the bite took me and I was back in hell for about three years. I could not for the life of me get out. So, you know, quick or slow, I don't know, slow to brew perhaps and quick to wrong action. And I was just lost. And it came back with such vengeance when they say it's out there doing push-ups, getting worse. It is getting worse down there in that addictive eating. And it was inevitable. I had to, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was inevitable. Anyway, I was unrecovered. I know now today that I was unrecovered in a hopeless state of mind or body. And, and meaning unrecovered was I looked, I was looked like I was abstinent. I was abstinent at the time. And yet so much was unrecovered in me. I was still misaligned. I was, I was just unable to function in the world, even though I looked like I could, and I was very, very successful in that way. Um, I was a very big, you know, quite a functioning addict, but inside I was falling apart, so was I? And um, yeah, so the smallest bite took me to the bigger bite, which took me to a place I couldn't even imagine. And um, it was just like deep down in me, a spiritual malady was still alive and kicking, and I couldn't live up to my own expectations. And I was like back thinking to myself, you know, I'm too worried to, I know I'm not enough. I'm, I'm being too much, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then on the outside things, you know, again, it all looked good, but there was too much doubt and worrying me and all of that kind of stuff. And then that mental obsession, it creeped in, it could creep in because my spiritual malady was unguarded. You know, there was no, there was nothing at the door for me. And, uh, you know, that mental obsession, it just says, hey, little girl, come over here. You want some of this? I'll make you feel better. I'll give you a little ease and comfort and all that. And, um, but unfortunately, you know what it always does, right? It takes you in, it keeps you hostage. Then it, you know, locks you up and whips you daily. And that's pretty much how my addiction works. And that's what it feels like, a prison with no door to get out. Um, so you've got to ask yourself, like, well, I had to ask myself. I had to get honest, right? Which is principle of step one. Was it really the food that took me out? I don't think it could have been because I hadn't been doing it for seven years. It wasn't in my body. So, you know, maybe it wasn't just that, you know, I was missing a vital, I think, and a critical key, a real key to being a recovered human being, a recovered addict. And that was that I needed to have my mental obsession and my physical allergy arrested because I'd be living on a plane that was a lot more calm and a lot more sane. And, um, I was just complying. I know now that I used to comply. I was good, I'm a good complier, but it didn't get me very far. And I hadn't really, really created a relationship with God and a power, whatever you call your power, you know, I'm gonna call it God for the sense of ease. But for me, this little voice inside was always nagging me to say, you know, that's not quite right, or this is that, you know, but um, I was an ugly eater when I, you know, I didn't listen to that voice. I was a horrific eater. You know, I would, you know, be doing a training. I'd get paid thousands of dollars. I'd be waiting for people just to leave so I could eat all the gosh damn food in the back here, you know. And um, I go, go to a holiday with my husband and I couldn't wait to sneak off and get more food. And, oh, it's just so disgusting. But, you know, I was out of power. I was out of control and I was out of choice. And uh, I ever had them, I thought I did. But it proved that in fact I didn't. And I got so big and so ugly and horrible. It was awful. I'm not talking physically to look at, yes, I was big and chubby and massive. No, no, I got really ugly inside and uh, I had to leave the program. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the embarrassment of being in program. You know, no, it was horrible. So I left and I started looking for solutions. And I went to diet doctors and this doctors and injecting hormones in my thighs and eating 500 calories a day and 
it worked, you know, for 21 days, but then afterwards, head down right in the food again, just couldn't stop. And I got it, you know, like, I mean, I, I really got it. Like, I'd go to any lengths to shove food in my face. That's my addiction. That's, that's the horror of my addiction. But the problem was, was I, it wasn't the food. I knew, I knew deep down there was something worse than just eating that horrific way, but I couldn't stop that. But I knew that there was something wrong with my mental ability to overcome my own mind. I knew there was something wrong with that. But I saw that on my own reliance, on my own thinking, any advice from others even, doctors, sponsors, people. I, you know, I begged sponsors to just you know, be hard with me, whip me, do anything you can, whip me into shape. Um, but it was an absolute waste of time. So I was back in that kind of gutter life of eating. But um, I knew that I was bowing down to a bigger master, um, the God of food. And uh, I stayed buried under that fear of anything else for years, three years, thousands of calories a day and three years, nearly having a heart attack one day when my heart just palpitated. It was just horrible. I couldn't even wipe my own bottom. It was just disgusting. And, um, you know, one of my prayers that I say today in order to never, ever forget step one, because it's very easy to forget step one when you, you know, you've had years of abstinence and all of that is, dear, you know, I just say every morning, dear God, please, don't allow me not even for a second to think that, you know, it's any, don't think I have any real or imaginary pleasure I once got from the food or trying to control outcomes. It's just a big lie. You know, the pain of overeating always counteracts it. And I end up like physically ill and physically nasty and it deadens me and it makes me gassy and bloated and horrible and in despair and egotistical and, and all the other stuff. And I get vicious and nasty and I become someone I don't want to be, you know? So the good news for me, I think is like, I say that prayer every day along with 30 minutes of other prayers, but you know, it's like I have to, I had to run out of energy with my addiction. I had to run out of hope even. And until I could realize the, the truth and the truth was, was that when I bumped back into a group of OAs, they were working from a, the big book, the original solution, big book of AA. And, and they told me to go back through that book with them line by line. And I did. And, um, and that worked for a bit. It did. It got me straightened up for a bit. And, and then I got a little wobbly again. And then the next time I bumped into a, a, some OAs who were taking much deeper dives into this book. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. So, um, you know, they took me in and they took statements, every statement of the big book. And I turned it into question. I had to turn it on myself, asking myself, do I feel, think, and act like all those alcoholics? And instead of it being a third person experience, I had to ask, what is my own experience with my addiction? To get really honest, you know, to practice that principle is to really see the truth and to admit, you know, what is true and what is a lie. And, you know, I do that with OA literature too. Like I took that pamphlet before you take that first compulsive bite. It's one of my favorite, favorite pieces of literature for 30 years. And, or maybe it was written like 25 years ago. And I turned every one of those into a prayer and, and then they expand, you know, that's why my prayers take so long in the morning. But, you know, they didn't write these things so we could just read it as a third person or sit with it. Like, no, they asked us to really consider what it meant for us. And I think I realized about seven, six, seven years ago that I had missed out on the deeper experience. And I know now that it's imperative for me because I do have a physical reaction. I'm not normal when I eat too much food, when I am a certain weight or when I eat red line foods. I just I seek easily. I just seek endless ease and comfort. I have a mental obsession. It's like a mental illness that um, I cannot remember the last time and the pain of how disgusting that experience is. And I keep thinking I could be normal. Thank God today that's being lifted for me. Like, thank God, I don't think I'm normal. I'm not. 
And the spiritual malady is like God helped to always remember, you know, that overeating and controlling is not my problem. Insanity is my problem. You know, I can't remember these things. And um, feeling separate is my problem. Remember, I had so much success where I felt so separate from everything. And that's my problem, you know. And, um, you know, I realized that I have a disordered mind and a disordered body and it's gone too far. And I had to face in step one, like, I suffer from obsession, delusion, and illusion. It's not pleasant to say that, right? But in the big book, it talks about that, I think on page 30. And it's like really clear that we're suffering from these things. And, you know, I'm not under the illusion anymore now that someday I'm going to beat the odds. I'm just not going to beat the odds. And um, I need to have a power that can take me to a place where I don't want to beat the odds. So that's how I am today. I admit I'm not normal. I'm not under the illusion. I don't have delusion. I, I mean, I get delusional, dishonest in my mind about, you know, do people like me and all that rubbish, um, but not around the eating. And, um, um, and I'm working on, always working on something deeper. But anyway, you know, I just, um, I do work an honest program on my food. I weigh and measure my food in the sense that I know how much I'm supposed to eat and I can eyeball just about anything now. And I surrender to a, a food plan every day. I, I I sit quietly, ask God, what do you want me to eat today? And then I wait and then I write it down and then that's what I eat. And I'm, you know, I'm, I know I'm not like normal people. And um, my friend, um, Leanne, she says that once you, once a cucumber is being pickled, it can't become a fresh cucumber again. <laughs> and I love that, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm a pickled cucumber. I can't become a fresh one. But the great news is, is that this great vessel can produce better cucumbers in the future you know, and people could receive them. But I love that statement because, you know, I don't want to pretend that I'm, I didn't get pickled, you know, for my overeating. And so I need to be clear about my food in the morning and I have a plan for my emotions, plan for relationships, plan. For, and that plan includes going to a power that is greater than me. That is like a consciousness, that little voice in me that grew and grew and now is much louder. And so if I go to restaurants, I have a plan. If, you know, if I know I'm facing some pain, I'm fear, I, you know, I pull in my higher power for my plan. And, you know, my mind takes me to strange destinations that, it, you know, maybe I didn't sign up for. But if my higher power is at the gate, then I can always be sure that I got the right ticket. And I could admit, I might be powerless, but I'm not on my own. So I now have to lean into the light in step one to no more lurking notions anymore, nothing. And if you're new, you just have to be done with any more lurking notions. You can do it yourself or maybe tomorrow. Or, you know, I lean into the likes I want to grow. And I believe there is some kind of a God inside me. And I just need some sunshine and warmth. And it makes me want to be, you know, be. So um, anyway, so I know that for me that um, I can start my day with surrender. But I got to keep surrendering all day long. And I had to really face it in step two that, you know, that I'm not sure that I can stay that humble, you know, like self-reliance. I'm constantly thinking, even today, you know, 20 times a day, I might, you know, take it back. Like, oh, no, hold on. I don't need you now, higher consciousness. I, you know, I've got this one, you know, but reality is I don't know if I have. So, um, but, but I'm a long way from where I was and uh, a long way from where I was in that. And I don't know. I think that, um, you know, my own thinking or my own power, it just, was clear in step two when I looked at it, like it just was never enough. It never is enough, it can't be. I can think and that's good because I've been given reasoning, but it never quite takes me far enough. And, and I blunder my way through life, I have, and sometimes I will still do that. Abstinent, you know, I will blunder my way through life and my best thinking can't always get me the answers. And so it's important that I look at it this time that um, step two about agnosticism, that 
you know, I, I did get the hope back. I really did. And I have complete not a hope and I practice hope every day that even if I blunder through a day and I mess it up or I'm not talking about the food, I'm talking about life in general, being kind and caring to people. I'll mess that up a lot. And, and I, you know, I still know that there's hope though, that there's some kind of discipline that if I practice it, um, you know, if my food has been arrested, then surely my, my being, my, my ability to communicate and relate, those being, can be arrested too. And, um, and I know that I needed a deeper message, you know, a, a message that really could, you know, you know, not just come from a, like sometimes I would have sponsors who would send me to myself and do self analysis. And I didn't think that was very useful. And then sponsors who would take me to them and, you know, they would give me therapy or, or, or camera rolling and cajoling and counseling and mothering. And that didn't really work for me either. And I needed a guide and a sponsor that would absolutely always take me back to help me see that I'm being agnostic and I need God. I need a power. And I believe there is a, a higher good within me, a higher source, a higher being experience that, you know, no human power can do that for me. And I need to have that because I have to have pause between me and my thoughts, me and my actions. And um, I certainly, you know, have always going to have to have that between me and my food. Um, and I don't want to have to work for it. I want it to come naturally. So self-reliance often failed me. I know that. And, but I'm done now with blocking off the sunlight. I don't, I don't want to live in that kind of state. So I look for places in which I'm agnostic and I ask, you know, can I, you know, can I see through that there must be something more than that? Am I willing to believe? Um, and you know, if something could save me in the food addiction and I look around the rooms and I see how many lives have been saved, then there must be something greater than me going on here. And so I just needed to have a spiritual shift, which occurred for me. And um, now I know that I have to pray and everything I'm agnostic. And so I do, I say to God, please help me to always feel the fact that you're everything or you're nothing. And if nothing, this is how my life looks, you know, and you can take me further than I can ever imagine. And especially to stop thinking I have to figure it out and do I matter and all that rubbish that used to go on in my head. And don't get me wrong, it still goes on in my head sometimes, <laughs> abstinent, but it's okay, you know, I have the discipline now to watch and notice and see that. And, um, and also for step three, I have faith, you know, um, I have faith that it can and does and will and always will happen. But, you know, the reason I, you know, messed up before is because I thought I could manage that show and it was a big show happening. And I thought I could manage that show with my sponsor and the program, the fellowship, but I didn't really have my higher power involved in that big success show that was going on back in the 2000s, early 2000s. And by 2008, nine, I just, I was like trying to direct everything. You know, I was the director, I was the actor, I was the producer, I was the funder, I was the everything. And I was going woohoo nuts, you know. And I know I have shows that I still try to put on, you know, to fix my mother or sort out my sister or, you know, these things. But back then I had to really see like that really got shifted um, and we really got messed up and shafted. It, it just pushed me off and, and it had to, I could not handle my own stage. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's like the insanity of trying to figure it all out. In page 52 of the big book, it kind of nice and clearly looks at the bedevilments, you know, making a living. I was making a living, but I couldn't enjoy it as much, you know, as traveling all over the country and the world doing my work. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have relationships. I was always in, like emotionally like lost in them or, 
you know, I couldn't, um, and it was a lot of things that wouldn't work for me. And I was always trying to manage it all. And I see that now that discipline of faith in something greater than me. And my prayer every day is to God to help me see that I'm no longer running the show. And, and to say that actually, every time I go to the toilet, I say, that. <laughs> dear God, help me to remember I'm no longer running this show. I'm just the actor. You're the director. I'm the agent. No, you're the agent. No, I'm the agent. I sometimes I forget, you know, no, you know, my higher power is my principal. I'm just an agent. Show, show me how to, what to do and how to be. And, you know, you're like a parent. Show me how to love and be a, a kind child, you know? So I have to surrender to all of that. And, um, and so I just want to be in the present moment. And the only way to do that is to stop going in my own theaters and, and running shows. And because I know when I do, I will end up in such ego that I will block off the sunlight. I won't be able to feel the presence of the power greater than myself. But now I feel like I will go to any lengths to stay out of that show. And that means I have to go through the steps multiple times to deeper dive, to deeper dive. And um, yeah, and now I'm able to be in a much more simpler space where it's like, God, you know, every day I say like, you own it, you have it, you manage it. You're all of it. All the things I, I check them off, all the things that need to be done in our world and our life and, you know, all the battles that are there to be fought. But it's not really for me to do all that in my own you know, my own best thinking only got me so far. It just wouldn't take me all the way. So, so I stay humble, you know, as much as I can. And I remember that this faith in this higher power simply means I have a better filter system and then I have more space and then I can surrender a lot more easily, but I still make mistakes and I still end up in places and spaces that I want to control, but it's okay. It's a lot better than it was. You know, if I'm 60% of where I've come from, that's good. I'm all right at my age to be at 40% more growth, you know? Um, but yeah, and I think in um, step four for me was like, you know, really where, where I went wrong was I used to, I did all kinds of step fours. I've done so many different ones in my lifetime, but I never really went down and looked at the self-centeredness, the selfishness, the self-pity, you know, the, all of that. And a friend of mine, Tyler, she talks about this, like, I was like a fear manufacturing plant, you know, it was like fear of everything, even though I looked very confident. And, um, you know, my friend Mark says, you know, you get in the, it's like, you get up in the morning and it's like, fear is like in a car outside, you know, is hooting its horn. It says, get your button here. Cause I'm going to drive you around all day long. And it's like, ah, you know, and that, I never looked at all that stuff. I just thought one, two, three, great. I'm good to go. You know, do a little four step and off you go. But I have to go deeper this time. You know, I had to really see the full inventory and I do it every, every in fact, I'm in another fourth step now because I like to go deeper every couple of years. And, um, and it says in the book, you know, in the big book, how rarely has it, we ever seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed, thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not or will not, cannot, you know, because they're in, you know, in, in um, constitutionally incapable, I think, of being um, honest. And so the first three steps, I have to get really honest with myself. Do I think I'm out of power, control and choice? Do I think there might be something more? And am I willing to go to any lengths? And in step four, I start the, I start the lengths, you know. And um, I've done a ton and I just think the, the step fours I do now are so deep because they really get down to causes, concerns and things like that. And, and they really start to turn up, you know, how I'm running that show, what, what stars in my show, who am I in the show? And I really get to see like there's seven parts of my natural self, how they get skewed or misaligned or disordered. And, um, you know, so I can say, you know, whenever I see resentment come up now, I, 
you know, I've got things that I can do with that. I don't have to do full inventory every time. You know, somebody pisses me off. What, excuse my language, standing on the platform of a train we're waiting. And, you know, somebody's getting in my face or something, making too much noise. You know, I can just say, God, you know, help me to see, is it just a sick person like myself? Because haven't I ever made some noise or, you know, frustrated people? You know, and then if I'm afraid of something, you know, maybe I'm afraid to speak here today. And I'm just like, you know, you know, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you'd have me be. And, you know, and if I have like relationships or things like, you know, even working with people in program, I can just say, you know, what's your ideal for me and help me to have the strength and courage to live up to it. There's lots of different things I can do. Um, you know, but first I have to be clear, you know, I suffer from these things and that's okay. And I need to do full inventories to have my house cleaned more often, you know. It's not good when you don't have your house clean that often. So in step five, I had to face, you know, where I went wrong. And in uh, step five was that, you know, I just used to read it off and that was that. But actually I needed somebody who could really grasp what I was going for. Like I'm trying to clean up. I'm really trying to clean up. So I had to read inventories to people who really understood that, you know, I don't want to just blab on about my difficulties. No, I need somebody to really help me see where I'm blocking off the sunlight of the spirit that, I'm, you know, I'm clinging to things that take away from my power, even though I think they're going to give me power. You know, I need those kinds of things. I need somebody to really show me that. And so guides and sponsors who help me with this, you know, it, you know, it's, it's like clean out the stuff, you know, I really want to get it out. It's moldy. You know, the first time I did a fear inventory this way, I saw I had 195 versions of unfounded fear. <laughs> so you can imagine with along with the restlessness and the irritability and the discontent and trying to control and all that other stuff. No wonder I would have to result to eating in the end, you know, but now it's a whole lot better. You know, I think about 75% of that stuff is being lifted out of me. And so that's easier to live with. And anything comes up, I have prayer and I have somewhere to go. I have faith, you know, I have that discipline of looking and watching. So I'm responsible for that. I'm absolutely responsible to surrender my condition and, surrender the conditions I set up on other people like my poor husband or my mother um, just because I feel inadequate. So I'm always watching for that. And um, I think most of step five for me is about ego deflation and making sure that other people are there to support me in, in growing in that way. And, and then I can be there for other people to grow in that way too. And I'm watching the time. My gosh, there's so much more I can say. But um, so I Anyway, I think it's step six and seven. I never used to know what I was surrendering. So I just used to go, yeah, I'm willing, let's go. And then I would just get on to eight and nine and then try to live in 10, 11, 12. But um, the willingness there is like the real discipline of six is to take a look back in step five, to see the things I just mentioned about what's blocking me, where I'm clinging, where I'm playing God, and to really see how objectionable they are and to look back at each step and see what is objectionable about each of those steps to see, am I sure? Am I sure? Am I willing? which is the discipline of step six. Am I willing to move out of the shadow now? Am I willing to live trusting this power that is greater than me? Because step six is just really about willingness, you know? And then if I'm really willing, I can take step seven. If I'm not willing, I should stop. I should go back, you know? But in seven, I don't have to tell my higher power what to take. Like, I know that consciousness within me, that higher God, that spirit, it knows what to take from me. I just be got to be willing to notice it and have the humility of step seven, which is the discipline, to stay humble and to really to, um, you know, to know, like, what it means to be humble. To, 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 to jet. There's two sides of it, I think, to dare to jump out into the light or to be brought to a brighter side in which, you know, or, you know, I don't know. There's like a little voice again of reality and reason. And 
it goes beyond just my mind. I, I want it to have all of me now. I want to be reordered and um, I want my roots to be strong. I want to receive all the nurturing and have good soil to grow from. And, and so if, as long as I stay humble, I don't think I was really that humble when I worked the steps of 25 years of program. Sorry for all those people I sponsored, but um, I did my best given what I had, right? We all know we've probably screwed a few people, but nobody died, hopefully. And, um, but in step eight and nine, you know, I think that before, um, you know, I used to look at step eight as like the world owes me and blame my childhood and all that stuff, you know, <laughs> but, um, or just be a nicer person and that will make it all right. But it's not useful. I can't just mumble a quick sorry because they feel guilty or shameful. No, no. What I learned this time around is that the full extent of it means, you know, that I have to come from a place of love. I've got to come from that place. And it's the discipline of love and kindness. And I'm not great at that even to myself, but I'm learning how to get more at it in the moment as much as possible. And um, I certainly, when I'm doing it formally, I have to be clear on what it is I'm really trying to do in order to make restitution, to be responsible. That's what the discipline is to be, give or to live in justice and to, to provide uh, restitution to people I take things from, whether it's their emotions, energy or whatever. And um, so, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to, um, I don't have to worry about step nine when I go to make, because I know some people, I take groups of women through the steps and I know that sometimes they're like, oh, I'm terrified. And it's like, well, you don't have to be because this is the step that actually proves that there is a higher power because you get given strength. I have been given strength and courage to do some outrageous amends, even to my ex-husband who was the heroin addict. And, you know, I mean, I went and found him in North Dakota of all places. And uh, anyway, ended a lot of my, um, it wasn't resentment actually, it was more about fear. I was terrified, but I realized after 20, seven years of program. I had never gone and made amends from my side of the street. Anyway, I've done a kind of wild load of amends all throughout my 12, uh, my years in program. And, um, and anyway, I could tell you a whole lot more about that, but it's evident that something's working on my behalf because I could never have done that. I could never have called up a major bank and told them I need to give you some money back. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things, you know, and called the supermarkets and said, you know, here's the deal. I took all those things while I was eating, running around the shops and and, and some other big ones that I had to make. And, um, you know, I'm not proud of that, but it is what the food took me to. And so I had to go back and do it. And even if the food wasn't there, I did things I had to go back and, but anyway, the last few minutes, I'll just talk about that. Step 10 for me is about the perseverance. So the discipline of perseverance is like, I got to get out and I have to watch and I have to notice. So page 84, 85 of the big book, 84 of the big book, it tells us how to do it, exactly how to do it. And I'll be happy to send anybody prayers or, uh, sheets with all these things like they're straight out of the big book of our AA, which is our original text. But you know, I turn everything I do into a prayer. So I take all of that page 84 and 85 and 86 and 88 all the way through to 88. And I take the whole thing and turn it into prayers. But, um, you know, I'm watching each day. I'm just watching and noticing, you know, where's the self-centeredness, selfishness, pretty, all those things. Self-centeredness is just simply not that I think too much or little of myself. I just think too often of myself, right? Selfishness. Am I thinking about, you know, what I want, but I'm not really considering others, you know, delusion, you know, half truths in myself, or am I worried or doubtful? I'm just watching. I make amends if I have to. I certainly do tell other people if they're continuing on, but what I do is I 
at once turn to my higher power. So if I have fear, at once I pray. You know, if I'm starting to get an anger at someone, at once I pray. I might have to turn around, roll my eyes, but at least I've turned around. <laughs> and But my poor husband knows I do roll my eyes sometimes. Um, so it still happens. I'm not perfect. And that's great news, right? I don't want to be. I tell all my sponsees all the time. I'm not, you know, this is me today as best I can be, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I just feel like, um, you know, it's important to persevere, to have the discipline of perseverance watching noticing it tells me i have to and before i never used to do that you know i don't even know what i was doing in step 10 actually i was practicing step 11 and they called it step 10 i don't know why if you read the big book it's very clear and then step 11 i'll start wrapping up on this um that um you know my practice um you know it used to be just make excuses that's how conscious i was just make excuses bow down to the master of anything else shopping projects fear everything um but you know, I don't, I don't want to live like that because I want to live happy, joyous and free, but it's not going to happen all the time. But step 11 is my morning wake up. When I wake up, I have a consciousness now that I go straight to my higher power upon awakening. I don't even get out the bed. I don't dare, man. I do not want to go back to that crazy relapse. I had. It can't happen again. So I don't have to be afraid because I've already got the power as I wake up. And so, you know, I just remember to stay grateful. As soon as I wake in my mind, I think of something I'm grateful about. Uh, usually my gorgeous husband next to me and uh, but life, love, everything. And um, I ask God to help me abstain from toxic thinking, stop toxic behavior, toxic, you know, actions. Um, I pray immediately. I pray. I have so many different prayers that I say, I take 30 minutes to say my prayers and I don't care. And, um, you know, I have all kinds of stuff. Like if I feel overwhelmed today, God help me show me how to surrender and to just proceed like, I don't know, and be okay with that. Help me stay humble and to relax, take it easy, not to struggle anymore. You know, help me fall into your light and love. And I got so many, but I have to, you know, I was a chronic relapser and I don't want to live like that. So for me, you know, I ask every day, show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love and, and to myself and to others and the best I can and give me the strength to get through the day. And then I'll just start finishing this then. And I'm trying to see the time. Yes, I need to finish up. So um, uh, I, in step 12, know now that the greatest service that I could ever do anywhere for anyone is to take them through the steps with a solid weighted message and to really help them find a power greater than themselves. That's my only task to, in my service to people. The real task I'm here today to do is just to help the people probably who are suffering or the people who came back, or if you're trying to grow to the next level of your recovery, that simply we just have to have more and intimate. And that's my goal, a real more and intimate relationship with a power greater than myself. So step 12 says, you know, if I practice this discipline of service, you know, stay honest, open and willing. That's the greatest service I can start with and let everybody just know I'm human. And I'm just, you know, I'm trying. And, you know, these, these steps accumulate, they're accumulative. They, it's, they balance on top of each other. Like step five, it, it, you know, it's integrity, but it's in eight, nine, 10, and 12, right? Step six is willingness, but it's in seven and eight and nine, 10, 11, 12. You know, I'm not fooling myself anymore. You know, I, I can't live without the power. I need all 12 steps all day long so I can be useful and in service to you, to others, to myself, to my family, to everybody. Um, so, so, yeah, so anyway, I keep it fresh and alive. And the, the key though, it says, I practice the principles in all my affairs. So I better keep, that's my timer, so I'll wrap up now. And I, I better keep it all alive, you know. Um, I, I go deeper anytime I can. 
but I'm also like looking and watching for all the principles in my affairs. I don't just do the steps once I go around again and again. And so I just beg you to be honest. It says in the book, thorough and disciplined and delighted <coughs> because I can tell you something. I am delighted with these steps. Now I'm delighted with these principles. My life is a thousand miles from where it was. And, um, and I want it to be a thousand miles. There's bad news, you know, there's no pill for emotional sanity and keeping abstinent. There was, I wouldn't take it even if there was, because it'd be too risky. But the good news is, is that this way of life, these spiritual disciplines, and you know, they're the way out. They're the way to keep out of all the mess and they're the way to keep out of the way and to have that sunlight really hit the bigness of who I can be so that it will feed that beautiful flower I'm becoming that produces that excellent fruit called a cucumber or veg, whatever you want to call it. And to stay in this reprieve that my, I don't have any, I have no doubt that I will not want to overeat because my mind won't go there because it's protected by a power greater than me. But that is only because I'm fit in a spiritual fit space right now. And I have to keep that every day because what I had yesterday is not going to work today. I need more. And so spiritual discipline is just intentional action that sets me up in a position to be receiving the power that can be mine. And, um, you know, compulsively eating or not chaotic thinking or not, you know, my reactions are instincts to life and desires, my obsessions, my compulsions, they're different than other people. And I don't trick myself anymore. I don't have to, because I've got a power that's disciplining me now to know I'm not like normal people and I'm never going to be. So on my own power, I'll be back out there. On this power, wow, it's completely different, you know? So I close my practice every day at night with gratitude. I watch all day long, I pray all day long, and I speak to others and I help people. And there's a thousand things more I can say, but I would say this, that in the big book, it says, when they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, truth, superhuman strength and direction. And when I was down on my knees, like wondering what the hell, and my little husband, who's, a, who's an atheist said to me, you need to have a power, a personal power. That's what the big book says, right? Well, I have to tell you this, that deep down, great, that deep inside, that great reality and when they, inside me, it's like right there within you is where the highest consciousness of God exists. And that's where I found God. And I hope that you will allow that spirit, that the spiritual disciplines to take you closer and ever more intimate with this power because it is changing my existence. And though I might be diving again and looking again and wanting to really get to know like more about what is possible, I'm willing to grow along spiritual lines and have a deeper relationship with God, you and everybody around me. And with that, I'm just grateful I got to be here and I know our paths will probably cross at another time. One day I'll be able to fly back to California. So, you know, let love and tolerance and God, you know, let them be our vibe. Until then, I'll say ciao. Carol from Escondido, I think. Oh, okay. Carol, would you share, please? That was amazing. I took a lot of notes. I've been in the program almost five years, and I got some great insight on a lot of your wisdom. And uh, thank you for sharing. I haven't gone into relapse in the five years, but I've gotten sloppy. <laughs> and so I, I just took away so many pearls that I will be incorporating and listening in my own self and um, 
trying to watch for those pitfalls. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Sandy D. Hi, I'm Sandy D. I'm from uh, Burbank, California. Thank you so much for your share, your lead. It means so much to me. I'm five and a half, five years, nine months in, uh, abstinent. It was a gift given to me the day I came in and got a sponsor. And recently, God's been working through some character defects, just pointing out honesty. And that's what you spoke on today. It was really a next step for me, eye-opening in some ways of um, how to be more honest, really some clear direction for me. And I just want to say thank you so much. I, I just am so grateful, grateful to higher power for nudging me to be here this morning and uh, just grateful. Thank you. And thank you for all that have, have put this convention on as well. And with that, I pass. We have time for one more quick share. Anna? Yes. Hi, uh, this is Anna, Compulsive Eater. Thank you so much for your share. Thank you so much. I'm fourth day abstinent back from a two-year hellish relapse, and I just could relate to everything you were saying, and I'm so grateful to see what your relapse did for you. And I'm so aware about how much I do not ever want to go back to that. And I have a lovely little granddaughter, and I was coming home from a visit with her on Friday, and I realized I wanted to live. I want to live a long time. I want to live a long time because I want to be with her, and I haven't been feeling that. This relapse, you know, it's a terrible thing. I had, I wouldn't have minded dying. And now I'm so grateful. Just this quick back from relapse. And you've just captured it all. I'm so glad we'll get this on tape because I want to listen again. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is all the time we have for this session. I would like to thank um, Anna and Judith again for sharing our experience, strength, and hope today and all the volunteers that made this session possible. If you haven't already, please be sure to visit the online store to purchase convention-themed products, plus the opportunity to make additional donations to Region 2 if you are able to contribute. For anyone who'd care to join in, let's conclude the session with a stretch and the OA promise. Standing up and reaching out your hands to virtually put my hand in yours, I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there, help me out somebody, I just lost my mind. Sense <laughs> <laughs> of hopelessness, no longer do we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We're all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding, understanding beyond, beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works.